Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 30th of October, 2011. And we all know what that means. It means Halloween is coming, and it's going to be a happy candy day. All right, let's go ahead and jump in, and we will... uh, Let's get our contact info out of the way, I guess. If you'd like to contact the show, there's a couple of different ways to do so. You can either do the voicemail, which is 206-745-2731, area code 206-745-2731. I also use this one for my other podcast, which is The Armed Ape. So if you're going to use, uh, send in a, leave a voicemail, just make sure you let me know which podcast you'd like it used for. If you'd like to record an MP3 or a WAV file, or just have me read out an email for you, I'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, you can send that to me at firearmscafe at gmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. All right, now on the last show, we talked a little bit about the militarization of uh, New York City Police Department, and in general, the, the militarization of police departments and agencies, government agencies across, uh, kind of across the board. And uh, some people would say, well, why is that important? Why should we care about that? Aren't they doing that sort of for our own safety? And when we look at things like that, what we really see is we really see a reduction in our Fourth Amendment rights. And the reason that that's important is if, if, if the government or a state agency is willing to trample on the Fourth Amendment, is it really going to be that far-fetched or that hard for them if they've been able to step on certain elements of the Constitution to then be able to say, well, we can do the same to the Second Amendment or we can do the same to the First. You don't have the right to assemble. You don't have the right to speak out. And if you do, then there's going to be consequences. And we may look through all your banking records. We may look through all your other financial stuff, your your visa card, your, you know, where, where are you buying stuff, you know. Um, and when we look at the Fourth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment in general basically says that we're, we have the right to be secure in our in our persons and our papers and all this other stuff, and uh, that if the government does want to take a look at you, that they have to to spell it out very specifically what they want to look for and what they're kind of hoping to find. Not necessarily that they just think, well, you know, old Tony looks suspicious, so we want to monitor him. That's not good enough. Uh, so what I wanted to do today, uh, before we kind of jump into the show proper, is to read out what the Fourth Amendment says. And the Fourth Amendment says, The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So again, a lot of those examples that I gave, uh, we see that a lot of those things have there's been an in run around the Fourth Amendment. We see things like the Patriot Act. We see a lot of the uh, the higher courts, the state supreme courts, are making rulings saying things like that. Uh, the police can, uh, uh, if they think something is suspicious, they can just sort of come into your home. They don't have to uh, get an actual warrant. 
things like the Patriot Act say that they can look at your your financial stuff if you if you deal in cash or go over a certain amount. Uh, we already see things that you know Homeland Security is putting out bulletins basically saying that you know somebody with a lot of cash or somebody with gold and silver, you know you need to uh, you need to um, look at those guys. You know look at them a little bit closer. And again, what we talked about on the last show with what they're doing in New York, we really see that uh, that they're really stepping on the Fourth Amendment, and they, and they all do it under the guise of safety. Uh, there was a thing from uh, the Bureau of uh, Justice Assistance, uh, and also from the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and it, it was a thing that said that they were uh, under the guise of Communities Against Terrorism. And it says the, the the potential indicators of terrorist activities related to military surplus stores. <laughs> so this uh, there's a little document that they send out, and it says what should I consider suspicious? So I guess if you were a, a merchant or something, and if you're running a military surplus store, and they say that people or groups who provide identification that is inconsistent or suspect or demands identity privacy. They insist on paying cash or uses credit cards in different names. They significantly alter the appearance from visit to visit, shaving their beard, changing their hair color, their style of dress, etc. Somebody that has a missing hand or fingers or chemical burns or strange odors or brightly colored stains on the clothing. Anyone who makes racist or extreme religious statements coupled with comments that are violent or appear to condone violence. Makes suspicious comments regarding anti-U.S., radical theology, vague or cryptic warnings that suggest or appear to endorse the use of violence in support of a cause. They demonstrate an interest in uses that do not seem consistent with the intended use of the item being purchased. Or they possess little knowledge of intended purchase items. They make bulk purchases of items to include weatherproofed ammunition or match containers, MRE, so meals ready to eat, night vision devices. And this is a this was something I really didn't understand. Night flashlights. I thought pretty much all flashlights were to help you see in the dark and it's usually dark at night. Uh, gas mask, high-capacity magazine, bipods or tripods for rifles. So this is the stuff that uh, that the government says to be careful of or you should be suspicious of. Now, I fit into a lot of this stuff. You know, especially that last thing, the bulk purchases. You know, if you... And, you know, they're, they're talking about ammunition, MREs, flashlights... Thing. Most of the most of the stuff is stuff to do with guns, uh, but then they say, "Well, what should I do?" And they tell you, "Well, you need to require valid ID from all new customers, and you need to keep records of their purchases, and you need to talk to the customers and ask questions and listen to and observe their responses, and watch for people and actions that are out of place, and make note of suspicious statements, people, and or vehicles." And something is wrong. You notify law enforcement authorities immediately. You don't jeopardize your safety or the safety of others. 
Sounds a lot like what they had in uh, Germany and Russia and North Korea. And this stuff came from, uh, I think it was the, I'm out of Colorado, where this thing is, but I uh, thought that was interesting. So do you think any of that stuff maybe could violate some of your Fourth Amendment rights? Just because you're going in and you want to buy something with cash and on that thing in there, they had a little deal that said, oh, you know, one of these things doesn't, uh, does not a terrorist make, but maybe two or three of them together. So if I come in and I pay cash for bulk ammunition and buy some weatherproof matches, you better write me down and, and, uh, ask for my identification, even though I'm not purchasing anything that's illegal. So, uh, let's see here. Let's go ahead and we'll play the uh, the voicemail that we got. And then I've got a uh, couple of uh, emails that the uh, gentleman who sent me in, the, who who's, uh, sent the voicemail in. And so I'll go ahead and read those after we, uh, after we hear the, uh, the voicemail. Hey, Tony. Just listen to show 62. We're speaking about New York City police, some of the capabilities they have. Uh, most former resident of New York City uh, voted with my feet back in 2004 and moved out. Now live in uh, a couple states away. Uh, things in New York were kind of bothering me as far as them treating me like. I was a criminal, even though I was a law-abiding citizen. Uh, a couple things uh, you left about and left out about the whole Big Brother thing. Uh, just keep your heads up. Uh, if you ride subways, you ride the buses, any public transportation in New York, they have a right to stop you and search you. Whether you consent to it or not, uh, not sure how it works as far as uh, if you don't consent, I'm pretty sure they eject you from the system and you need to find another way to travel. Uh, I'm also kind of upset about the fact that they can take down a commercial airliner. Uh, the one part you might have missed there was the fact that they could also take out a vehicle on the ground from the air. Well, as long as uh, we got New York cops with the capability to do that, I mean, like you said, where are the safeguards? Our New York City police, although many of them are, are probably great cops, we get, we get hundreds of examples in any given year of just total ineptitude. Uh, a little disjointed here. Maybe you don't play this on the podcast, just giving you the info. We still got family living there, so we do a, a lot of back and forth between where I'm living now and, and New York. And uh, I'll tell you what, as soon as you enter New York, there's his presence. Uh, as soon as you try to cross one of the bridges into into the city, 
this cop's eyeballing you. Port Authority, New York City Police. Uh, it's just so over the top. As far as the cameras go, you said 2,000? Uh, I, I think you're wrong there. Back to the cameras. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many more cameras than that. Um, and they also have... Uh, they have a habit of coming into private establishments and uh, confiscating uh, the film that's, you know, let's face it, everybody's recording. Every bodega, every supermarket, every mall, every bank, there's got to be 200,000 cameras. I mean, it is just so over the top. Uh, the Fourth Amendment is non-existent in New York City. There was no such thing. Uh, it is just totally out of control. And I, I don't think it's, uh, I really don't think it's, it's folks bending over and saying, hey, yeah, well, we want this. I think, you know, for the most part, they do it. And, uh, and the hell with you. I, I really, I don't think they give a damn one way or the other. Uh, yeah, just leaving my little piece from a former disgruntled New Yorker, now a very happy combat Tupperware packing <laughs> out-of-stater. Uh, don't miss New York City at all, except for the food. Uh, you have a good one. I love the show. Love both shows. And, uh, keep up the good work. Sorry, we got to keep this anonymous. Still got family living in New York City. I don't want anybody visiting my my in-laws' house. Take it easy, Tony. Bye-bye. All right, let's go ahead and we'll read the uh, the voicemail. And he writes in, Hey, Tony, I left a bit of a disjointed voicemail earlier today regarding the police state in New York. I feel I have to write to explain myself. For whatever reason, I don't do well on answering machines or apparently voicemail. I moved out of New York in the uh, early 2000s. I didn't care for the government I was getting there, the amount of taxes I was paying, or the assault on my civil liberties. I am and have always been a law-abiding citizen. I'm prior uh, U.S. service, military service, and have been part of a security industry since my discharge. I saw firsthand the ramp-up in security measures following the uh, 1993 World Trade Center bombing and the outright suspension of the Fourth Amendment rights after the 9-11 attacks. I mentioned in my voicemail that there are well over 200,000 cameras in the New York City area. That's probably an underestimate, public and private combined. Well, who knows? A half a million, maybe more. NYPD is experimenting with cameras equipped with parabolic mics and facial recognition software. The days of anonymously walking down the street are long over. The militarization of the NYPD is rampant and ongoing. As I mentioned, they now claim to have the capability to take down commercial aircraft, seagoing vessel, vessels, excuse me, and ground vehicles. You can't go anywhere in Manhattan unless you're prepared to show identification. Papers, please. I don't feel the average New Yorker ever had a say. It was all about public safety without any public discussion, and it's now coming to a town near you. That's right, the federal government is militarizing jurisdictions all over the country. If your state wants homeland security money, they have to participate. The name of this program escapes me right now, but it's a program where state and federal law enforcement work together in training and enforcement, melding centers or something like that. 
I feel we've let the genie out of the bottle and there's no coming back. What's the saying? Liberty lost is lost forever or something like that. The only person talking about this in our government is Ron Paul, but he's outright ignored or marginalized by the media. I'm actually glad that I'm childless because I don't like the road our country has chosen to go down. I feel bad for my neighbors whose children will have to grow up in what is rapidly becoming a police state. Peace out, Tony. Let's hope I'm completely wrong when we get back to the freedoms that made America the place where everyone in the world wanted to live. And then I also got a uh, follow-up email. And uh, he he mentioned a thing that I said in the last episode about, well, if it's okay for them to randomly stop the subway and other things, is it okay for them to stop private vehicles? And so he writes, You asked when the police would stop private vehicles for searches. It may have been earlier, but on the week leading up to the 10th anniversary of 9-11, local New York law enforcement said because of a credible threat that random warrantless searches of private vehicles would occur, and of course they did. For the most part, speaking against this sort of thing gets you labeled as a conspiracy theorist. So my long excuse me, so I no longer do it, except on rare occasions when speaking with like-minded individuals. Otherwise, you'd talk till you're blue in the face. Uh, and he ends with, on a separate note, the Survival Podcast had an interesting guest who spoke of our impending financial collapse. Frightening stuff, but highly recommended. And it's signed, The Kook in the Poconos. Uh, so I wanted to thank you for sending that stuff in. All very informative. And uh just goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. And it, it kind of makes the brings the question, well, how do we protect uh, our Fourth Amendment rights? How do we protect our Second Amendment rights, our First Amendment rights? Uh, things that are guaranteed to us by the Constitution, that the, you know, the Constitution recognizes that we have these things and that they're not a, uh, they're not granted by the government, but they're they're things that we as as human beings, once we start drawing a breath here on the planet, that we uh, these are the rights that we have just as people. And not necessarily just as Americans, but uh, all all humans have these these rights. And I guess probably the, about the only thing that we really can do is when we look at our local politicians and uh, some of our even some of our federal guys, we try and make sure that we get people in there that will not only support the Second Amendment but support the Constitution and that believe in the Constitution and, and that believe that that we the people have a say and that we the people shouldn't be mindless drones or slaves to the will of a few elites. And that's unfortunately pretty much where we are now. Uh, And, you know, especially when you look at a state like New York or New Jersey and you compare it to a place like Arizona or Utah or Texas or Oklahoma, it's hard to believe that, that those are all part of the same country, that those locations, because they're so vastly different. Uh, the rights that you're able able to practice, so like we had talked about before, the actual liberty that you have. And we talked about how freedoms, you know, we all have certain freedoms, but if we can't practice those, if we can't act on those freedoms, if we don't have liberty to do those things, you know, what do we really have? Do we... Do we, in a, do we, in essence, really have those freedoms uh, if, we, if we can't act on them? It's like, you know, if you, well, if, you, if you were hungry and you had a plate of food in front of you, but you couldn't reach it and you couldn't eat it, it's not going to do anything to help you uh, 
massage your hunger, and eventually, you know, you'll die. Uh, and eventually, unless we can get some things kind of turned around here, I think we're in for a long, hard road. So anyway, let's kind of switch subjects here. And we got a uh, voicemail from Brad, and he's talking a little bit about the uh, recoil spring on the Gen 4. So take it away, Brad. Hey, Tony. Brad from West Michigan. Hey, um, sent you an email on this. Uh, I think I sent you an email on this. Maybe I didn't. But uh, as you may be aware, Glock is offering a, a recoil spring assembly uh, exchange program. Not a recall, but an exchange program for their Generation 4 guns, um, except for the, the 26 and the 27. Those are not included. Um, my understanding is that Glock... Uh, well, based on the letter that I received as well when I received my recoil spring assembly today, they are trying to eliminate all the variations of the springs that are out there right now. I, my understanding is there's at least two, if not three or four variations of stock recoil springs out there. And in an attempt, they say, to eliminate this, they want to have one recoil spring. I'm not sure if that's per model or what have you. Um, but they are certainly trying to eliminate the, the wide range of variations that are out there. Anyways, I'm repeating myself. But anyways, I got the, the new spring today. Um, I, it looks identical to the other one that I had originally when I purchased the gun. Um, when I purchased the gun, I purchased the gun knowing that it had a 03 or an 03 spring in it, which was the latest version of the recoil spring. Um, I think it came with an 02 originally. Uh, mine came with an 03. I never had any issues with it. I've shot, I believe, a couple thousand rounds, if not a little bit more, through it, and I can honestly say that it has shot flawlessly. I have not had one malfunction in the gun. Um, that being said, I went ahead and did the exchange program. I wanted to see what they sent, and they sent a spring with a different stamping on the end. One, one difference I saw was it's, it's now stamped 04, and it has a three on the bottom uh, when you're looking at the 04 stamped on the end. Uh, so that's obviously a little bit different. I'm not sure what they've changed. I've shot the gun now with the new spring, and I felt nothing, no difference in the felt recoil. Uh, I had no issues with it either. So I don't know. I'm not sure what it did for me, but uh, it's all good. Um, they want me to send back. They want they want me to send back the old spring. I think they they include an envelope and they include a return address, um, um, you know, label. I hate to send it back just because it's been so good. You know, it's been a great spring, and I've got 2,000 rounds through it. It's broken in, and I'm confident with it. I'm not confident with the new one, even though supposedly it's better in some way or another. But. Then I kind of started thinking, well, from a legal standpoint, am I, you know, is this something that's going to, that, that I should do? And if I do end up, if my gun is involved in a, you know, in a legal shooting, is there an issue with me using a, a recoil spring that, that uh, should have been replaced? I don't know. But anyways, I don't think so. It's not something like that, but you can throw your thoughts in there. I'd appreciate it. That's about it, brother. I just wanted to let you know, give you an update on the Glock Recoil Spring Assembly Exchange Program. All is well, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.
Hey, Brad, thanks for sending that in. A lot of guys out there with the Gen 4 stuff, I'm sure, are grateful that you sent that in. Appreciate it. Now, I've got Gen 3, so that, uh, for me, I won't have to deal with that stuff. But it sounds like that Glock is trying to do the right thing. They're trying to get, you know, every all the kind of their ducks in the row, so to speak. Uh, I think I had heard something on an interview when this stuff first came out, uh, when they came out with the new recoil spring and what they were doing from, I think it was Rob Pincus, and he was talking about that he thought that there were some bugs that needed to be ironed out. And it sounds like that's kind of what they're doing here with you. So um, there was a couple of points that you made or a couple of questions that you had uh, about if if you had failed, let's say if you failed to take the actual recoil spring and send it back into them, you said, nah, I'm, you know, I'm cool with it. I don't really want to exchange it out. Uh, because my current one that I have does just fine. Could there ever be anything that could maybe come back to haunt you in, if you were involved in a self-defense shooting? And, boy, I don't know. Um, I think that would kind of be a, a stretch. I wouldn't put it past somebody, uh, an unscrupulous uh, prosecutor, to do something like that, to say, well, you know, this guy had a a faulty spring and such and such, you know, the gun went off more times than he wanted to, even though he says it didn't, you know, all this other stuff. So I, th- I think you're probably best to, if it's something that the actual factory is saying, Hey, this is a, this is a better piece of equipment or we've, we've, uh, got everything worked out or something like that. So uh, I, I think you'd probably be in the long run, you'd probably be best served by, uh, just sending your old one back and then and then uh, going with the new one. So I'd be interested in an update because you said you'd shot a lot of rounds and hadn't had any problems with it, uh, how the new one goes through. So, all right. Well, I think that is going to do it for today. Uh, not one of my longer shows, but not the shortest one either. I also want to send a quick shout-out to my buddy Ken, who's in Afghanistan right now. Stay safe and know that we think about you every day. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. I will talk to you next time. Take care. Bye. Hey, Tom, it's Bob from the office down the hall. It's good to see you, buddy. How have you been? Things have been okay for me, except that I'm a zombie now. I really wish you'd let us in. I speak for all of us when I say I understand why you folks might hesitate to submit to our demand. But here's an FYI, you're all gonna die screaming. All we want to do is eat your brains. We're not unreasonable, I mean no one's gonna eat your eyes. If you open up the door, we'll all come inside and eat your brains. I don't want to nitpick, Tom, but is this really your plan? Spend your whole life locked inside a mall. Maybe that's okay. I'm not surprised to see you haven't thought
ahead for all that bigger picture stuff. But Tom, that's what I do, and I plan on eating you slowly.